Welcome to A Place of Care. I'm Cassandra Lamb. And I'm Karen Mogg. And we're co-founders of The Cosmos and best friends who started this podcast to create a space for the messy, crazy, and sometimes scary conversations about health and wellness. This week, we're talking about relationships during the pandemic, who we're dating or not, reconnecting with friends you haven't talked to in years, and being together alone with your roommates. Hey, Karen. Hey, Cass. How's it going? I'm going a little bit crazy, I have to say, from all the amounts of time spent talking and video chatting to people. Um, It's been pretty intense. I actually think I've logged more hours on Zoom than maybe I have for my own self-care this week. Um, So I'm feeling a little, you know, social fatigue and I'm actually uh, ghosting a little bit on someone who texted me, a a good friend actually, actually I'll I'll just say Crystal, our mutual friend um, who I was planning to have a video chat with today, but I've just been feeling overwhelmed because it feels like everyone from the woodworks is kind of coming out and wanting to connect with you. And this is not to say that I have like a ton of friends and I'm super popular, but it's just kind of been like that feeling of like a lot of relationships jumping into your radar at the same time. And I feel like I'm in a place where I kind of just need to breathe and maybe crawl into a hole, which is probably not something you would expect from an extrovert, but that's where I'm at this week. What about you? Yeah, I definitely relate on logging lots of hours on Zoom. I... Also, I think it's interesting to see the difference between last week, where I was really excited uh, and happy to connect with a lot of different people, and I was always trying to think of who else I could call that I haven't spoken to in a while. But this week, I think the anxiety um, that I've personally been struggling with and have been struggling with um, in every episode of this podcast has really taken a spike. And as a result, my usual behavior is to retreat. And that's definitely what I feel like doing. And I let myself lean into that um, because I needed that. Um, But I think it's, it also depends on the type of relationship. um, Because uh, some, I've noticed that there's some people that it's a lot easier for me to feel comforted um, like my closest, closest, you know, friends and family. And that's a very short list, right? And I find myself um, needing that type of comfort and care um, more than kind of, I think, the social like Zoom, like let's join this IG Live and like let's join this workshop, which I did also do. But I think it's for different reasons, which um, we're going to talk more about today. I think you touched on something really interesting that um, I've been feeling anxiety about this week, which is the, there are like, you're right. There are some people that I know I can talk to and it kind of, and it doesn't feel like work. And I think one of those people for me is my sister. Uh, So one thing I'm grateful for during this pandemic and social distancing is we're getting into this habit of just casually calling each other. Like she never schedules with me in advance. So I never have to, do the whole Google Calendar calculus, which I think gives me a lot of stress in general. So we just call each other when we have a free moment. We we know each other obviously so well. So it's like we can talk about anything and, and nothing at the same time. It doesn't give me the sense of being cornered, but I find that like with other people who 
you know, I also really love it. It can feel like uh, ob- obligatory or like I feel like I kind of have to be on more. And so I resonate a lot with what you're saying about like, you know, that small group of people where it just feels comforting and full of care. Um, so I'm curious, how, how do you, um, I guess, sort of navigate what the right balance is when you are feeling an- anxiety? Like, is that something I really resonate with? And maybe I can learn from you. Oh, good question. Uh, for me, it's a really somatic experience, anxiety. And I am really used to the feeling, maybe too used to the feeling. And I think it starts with just noticing that I have a lot of thoughts that are clouding out my ability to really think about anything else besides the anxiety. And once that happens, I know that anything else is going to fall to the wayside until I can manage my anxiety and take care of it. And I think it's really hard because depending on the re- you know what relationship it is, people have very different levels of knowledge about my anxiety. There are people I've called that don't even know that I struggle with anxiety and depression, and that's totally okay. And sometimes that in itself is um, really refreshing and and really helpful uh, because I I don't have to talk about it. But those aren't going to be the relationships that I'm going to look to support me when I am having a really dark time. And so I think being honest about Uh, who in my life I can share that part of myself with and being okay with, okay, some relationships I don't feel comfortable or I'm not there yet and and I would like to be, but it hasn't, you know, for one reason or another progressed to a point where I have that comfort level. So it's pretty intuitive. It's not a very like thought out process. I don't have like a like spreadsheet of all my friends (laughs) next to like who gets who get there's a checkbox like yes to call, no to call. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more a, a vibe or like a gut feeling. And I also struggle with not wanting to burden people. Uh, and there are only a few people that I will call because I know that at this state of our relationship, it's not going to feel like a burden. So an example is my best friend from college. Uh, his name is David. And he's an ER doctor. Uh, at in Connecticut, um, shout out to all the healthcare workers who are on the front lines. And I've known David since I was 18. So that's a decade, right? And uh, a lot of people who have known me in the recent years don't know that all my struggle with mental health really began at that time period. And so it's easy, I think, for people who have known me for that long to, uh, for me to feel like they would understand my journey because they've been with me since the very, very beginning. And at the same time, you know, I uh, don't want to always burden him or, or some of my other college friends because I burdened them so much while I was in college, like very, very unstable. And I did not go to therapy at that point in time. I didn't even know I had depression, anxiety. I was like a high functioning depressive. I was just like going. And as a result, I had like major ups and major downs. And I would, um, I had a a really good conversation with my other best friend from college, Maggie, who's also an ER doctor. And I could like spend a whole episode talking about how I ended up having best friends that are ER doctors. 
when yeah, I see a pattern here, <laughs> I personally struggle with health anxiety, like strange. Um, but think it goes to show just how caring and kind and generous they are. And I had a conversation with Maggie and she came to visit me uh, in, in San Francisco. And she was basically like, you weren't a very good friend in college. And I, it was very true. And it was hard to hear. And, and to, you know, 10 years later. But I think there's this real idea of being a burden. Like, I, I think there's a lot of chatter about changing that, like, frame of mind. And I agree with that. But I also own up fully to not taking care of myself and leaning entirely too heavily on people at that stage of my life. And so it's and to me that there's some justification for kind of my thought process now when I reach out is like, I do know what it's like to be a burden um, on folks when you aren't basically stepping up and taking care of your mental health and took me a long time. I'm still in that journey. I'm definitely not all the way there. And so um, there are a few people who I reached out to kind of when I was in the very, very heart of my anxiety uh, just a few days ago. And it's also a reason why, you know, we're recording this podcast on Sunday instead of of um, normally on Friday. I just like could not pull myself out of it. And I only told a few people and um, it's, I'm not in the state of like, okay, I'm humiliated or embarrassed, but I am just going to be honest with myself that these are the three, four people that I feel comfortable being this way around. And most importantly, I'm committing to doing the self-work to pull myself together and move through this. And once I had reached that state, like today, that's when I felt comfortable, you know, reaching out to a select more few people to talk about the experience. Um, so that's a little bit of a long answer to how I, I kind of make these decisions. It's definitely not a science. It's very much an intuition. Um, but I'm curious for you as somebody who um, is extroverted, a lot of people know you as someone who, you know, really loves being around people. Do you find it hard to step into these moments where you need time away? I think what is kind of something I'm, I think I've been in the process of understanding about myself is that extroversion doesn't mean you're, you're like that all the time. I, I need actually a significant amount of time away from people because I find that when I am around people, like this is probably also exacerbated by the fact that I'm an empath when I'm around people and this can be virtually or in person, I give a lot and I'm, and I try to be really present and retain and, and really connect with people. Um, so I'm finding that probably the person who's harshest on me in times like this is myself because what I'm fighting, I think, is not necessarily the fear that my friends or people who love me won't understand if I decide not to hop on a video chat, if I decide or if I don't text them back or, or you know, if I just take a while to get around to scheduling something. I, I'm not actually worried about that. I realize that it's this weird pressure I place on my, myself um, because I think it connects to the part of my personality that's related to giving to people. And when I feel like I haven't necessarily filled my cup of alone time, which I know for a fact has not been like it's something I've been working on for the past couple of weeks, uh, it becomes very hard for me to 
feel comfortable giving that time away to other people. And then the weird kind of fallout of the social distancing thing is like all these articles are writing about like people who feel really um, alone or disconnected and, and want that connection. But I feel like I'm on the other side of it where I was kind of one thing I was looking forward to about social distancing was not necessarily being um, barraged with a bunch of like social obligations the way that you would be in like, you know, normal life, right? Like, because all, all the birthday celebrations are gone. And, you know, the, the things to do the volunteering, what, whatever it is that there was on like, a, a person's calendar before it's kind of it obviously it's going to be postponed. And so I was excited, I think, for a moment to breathe. But because it seems like most other people are like, oh, no, like, I I, need, I still need this. Uh, I'm in a position where I'm, I think, trying to figure out in real time every single day, like, what are my boundaries? And what do I actually feel comfortable um, giving? And so like, there are like, definitely, uh, there's like a small, like, I think, handful of people who I do talk to on an everyday basis, which is probably like, my sister, um, you, and then like a couple like other really close friends that I had them in a group text with. But otherwise, I find that like, it's really hard for me to take on much more than that. And I think it's also a function because of, you know, the work that um, we do right now is still public facing, right? Because we, we are community builders in this moment. And we have a community that, uh, you know, we're holding space for uh, virtually. And so I, I find myself, you know, spending a lot of um, energy engaging and socializing, connecting there. So by the time I'm like out of my quote unquote work mode, I just honestly want to burn my head into the ground and just like kind of disconnect for a while. Um, and so it's been weird for me because I feel like I'm needing the opposite of what m most people need right now. And I think I'm still figuring out what that, what that balance is. Uh, but definitely feeling like I'm kind of running on empty on like enough disconnection time. So like not, not near screens I think that's the other weird thing. Like we, we're all on screens and on our cell phones so much more because of the fact that everything is happening remote now. Um, and so I feel like I just need to like let go, maybe go back to an analog life for more hours of the day. Um, so I think I'm having like a kind of like an extreme opposite reaction in this moment. I'm so glad we started this episode just reflecting on where we're at personally as individuals because it shows up in the way our relationships take form. And I think it's often hard to start a conversation with a friend or family member or even, you know, your partner with the, hey, this is where I'm at. And this is why I'm going to show up in this way or not show up at all. And it's so healthy, I think, for us to continue to practice and hopefully our community and anyone listening to practice that moment of individual self-reflection every day or even before a conversation so that we can ask for time away. We can ask for time to respond to that text or to not show up and not feel guilty and not feel ashamed because of that. And it's something that as is, is often, I think, really masked by these words like ghosting or uh, it's hard to make friends as an adult um, because I think some of the more nuanced reasons why we have those experiences is because people are going through a lot and as you get older like life gets more complicated right and you need time to process all of that and so 
I'm not excusing everyone who's ever ghosted. I've been ghosted on for like no apparent real reason. And it sucks. No matter what. <laughs> but I definitely have been a ghoster. I have completely been a non-responder. And I are many, many times where I wish my relationship with that individual was at a point where I could tell them everything. And it just wasn't, right? And so there definitely is a point where I have to reconcile and communicate that even if it's not somebody you're super close with, just out of like, for me, like humanity and respect. But these are some nuances that um, I think are really, I'm really glad we started with that before we get into the different types of relationships that have been on top of mind over this um, time period. And so the first one we wanted to talk about was actually friendship, which we've gotten into already. Um, and I'm curious to hear from your perspective, which are the, the friendships that you felt like are closer or you feel like are growing more intimate and personal to you? And then which are the ones that you're feeling more distance from? You don't have to name names or anything, just like in general. <laughs> I'm calling people out. No, just kidding. Um, so right before um, the pandemic really hit here in New York, um, I had been doing this biweekly. So I'm going through this book called The Artist's Way right now uh, with four other friends um, who I've become really uh, close to. And for those who don't know, The Artist's Way is this 12-week creative recovery program workbook that's put together by Julia Cameron, um, our group, because we were being really realistic about our time and our bandwidth, we decided we're going to do it every two weeks. So for us, it's going to be a 24-week recovery program. But uh, we had been meeting up in person every two weeks at someone else's place and going through the workbook, talking about um, our experiences with it. And, you know, the book actually started off as just like kind of like a foundation and we've morphed these artist way gatherings into what we needed it to be as a group. Um, so going into uh, social distancing, we had already been meeting up, like we've met up five times already. And so that group I've actually remained super close to. We have a group text where we've gotten already uh, into the habit of um, sharing challenges we're going through, um, practicing being proud of ourselves and like, you know, acknowledging ourselves for when we, you know, learn something new or when something good comes our way. Um, so that's been like such a really, like a really supportive space and that's a group that like I'm continuing to stay in touch with, whether it's just through texting or we did an artist way gathering over Google Hangouts and we all cried. We cried at every, we cried together at every single one of these gatherings because we get super deep into like our fears, our struggles, and we're really honest about our emotions. Um, so that's a group that I've been really committed to. I think the second group of um, people that I've really made an effort to connect with are some of, um, so my, my sister obviously is someone that I am utilizing this time to hang out and get to know more. And I realized like through this kind of pandemic period that I have this weird, uh, formula in my head for like what a phone conversation <laughs> needs to be with people. And that formula, you like, I think the reason why I, I can have so much anxiety leading up to an actual phone call is that I feel like it has to be a catch up and give me everything you've done in your life from the last time I saw you till now situation. And I, I, I feel like there, there have been times where I've had those types of calls and they're like two hour ordeals and they're so great, but then they are, they can also be so draining. So in my head, for some reason, that's like the epitome of like what catching up with a friend is supposed to mean. But 
I'm realizing through talking to people like my sister or even some of my high school friends um, or even like, uh, so I, I downloaded this app called House Party. Um, and basically it's an app that tells you like, hey, like if your other friends are online, you can just hop into a room and video chat. It actually takes wow. away like the planning of yeah. a call and it just depends on spontaneity which is great so I ended up like facetiming like our friend Vanessa Pham yesterday or no, sorry video of chatting her for like just 10 minutes and and then that's it and it was great and we talked a little bit but it wasn't this whole ordeal so this pandemic is like helping me to break down that really like inaccurate idea of what a phone call with a friend is supposed to be in my head and I'm hoping that what I get out of this process is kind of like falling away from that belief that it needs to be this whole thing where you need to give me like volumes of your life. Otherwise it's not a good enough catch up. But um, so those are kind of the two, the two main groups that I'm able to sustain right now. But I know I acknowledge in myself that I have like a block to talking to people more because I'm still working through like the definition of what a phone call is supposed to be. And I think the other weird thing that people don't talk enough about, you know, just connected to the communication thing you were saying earlier is like people have different expectations of what a phone call or a video call is supposed to be. And I never know how to tell someone like, hey, I want to have like a great conversation, but I don't want this to go over 30 minutes. You know, like it's, it's so weird to like, have to come to... <laughs> I like to like, cut off a friend. Well, like that was different, right? Because we had an excuse. Um, we were like, "Oh, we have to record our podcast." So sorry, Karen. I gotta go. But like, normally, like I don't want to have to lie. I wish I like. So, what is like the way to just be honest about? Hey, want to catch up with you, but I want this to just be like thirty minutes. Um, because there have been times where I've, I've uh, hung out with someone on the phone, and they're in the middle of this like story. And I'm like, oh, I want to hear the rest of it, but we're definitely going to be here for like an hour. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of like etiquette things around phone and video conversations that I think I'm working through right now. Um, and maybe maybe the reason why this is also like com- confronting for me right now is because we as a society just haven't talked on the phone very much anymore because texting and, you know, it's weird. I have some friends who Instagram DM me more than they actually like text me. And that's also strange. I've never treated that platform as like a text modality. But um, communication styles, TLDR, are really hard and confusing. So... Sorry if I'm all over the place. I'm kind of unpacking this as we go. And I just realized I don't really know right now what my um, kind of like what my boundaries are around that. I want to encourage you to not apologize for that and to feel comfortable saying exactly what you did on air. You want to hear what's going on, but you just want to keep it to 30 minutes. I think if somebody share that with me, I would be really happy to abide by like that boundary. So I just definitely want to encourage you to keep forming that language and to, um, I think in, in many ways, like what you're saying is a reflection of what I think a lot of us feel about calling people. Like, I was really hoping there'd be like a word for that feeling when you call friends you like haven't spoken to in a while and like you want them to pick up the phone when you call, but you're scared they won't and then they pick up and you're like, wait, well, how's this going to go? It needs to be a word for that. Um, so We'll come up with one. Or if anyone has a word they want to recommend, you can hit us in the DMs at Join the Cosmos or email us at hello at jointhecosmos.com. We'll feature it in our next episode. But I definitely relate to a lot of what you're saying. I feel like I've never hung out more with friends. And that just kind of goes to show how, at the same time that I realize, like, 
I have deprioritized a lot of my relationships and they do bring me a lot of happiness and fulfillment that I think I subconsciously thought wasn't that important, but actually is, especially to my mental health. And yet also I can't always be present uh, because of my anxiety and because of personal things um, that I'm going through. And so striking that balance um, and communicating all of that is hard work. So anyone out there who like feels bad or just feels guilty, I just want to acknowledge that that's like a really normal feeling. I want to normalize this feeling because I'm tired of feeling bad about it. And I, um, I think it's hard to just kind of say out loud that, hey, this friendship is, is in this place where we have to do a catch up because we're not so close that we really know what's going on in each other's lives. Um, and then those friends that you can just jump right into. Like today and the last few days, I really didn't feel like talking to anyone that really hasn't been with me through the whole uh, mental health journey. And that's a really, really, really short list. Not because, you know, I don't want people to know, but because it's a lot and I really don't want to burden that many people. And so when I talked to my friend David today, it was like really wonderful. And it went on for two hours, which is a lot longer than I planned, but it was really easy. Like we got into it kind of like in the last 20 minutes, but the rest of the time was just, shooting the shit and it's easy because we have the same dynamic as friends that we've had for 10 years right and I and you I, guys are very like jokey and <laughs> playful and it's and sarcastic with each other so I can also hear, see how that's like a nice kind of escape um yeah but yeah I've like I love your guys's dynamic it's literally like a brother and sister who like can pick each other apart but then come together at the end that's a great way to describe this now that he's been mentioned so much he has to listen to this podcast we can pressure him (laughs) um and then you know there's there's um the calls I have with my sister where I was just crying for the entire call for like an hour and a half yesterday and because she's seen me cry probably from more than anyone in my entire life right I was a big crier when I was a kid and that was the only person that I would be willing to really cry in front of And my sister and I aren't even that close. Like we went through a really long period of time where we barely ever talked. And I don't think I've seen her for multiple years, but I recently have, since this pandemic started, uh, started calling her every day, similar to you and randomly. And there was a time period where she just would never pick up and we keep missing each other and we never make that contact. But during this time, we always call each other back. We always find a chance to connect every day. And sometimes it's about, you know, relationship issues and like boys. And then other times it's like me just literally having an anxiety attack. And so she was able to talk to me in a way that I was able to feel calm, I was able to feel supported. And um, I think it's, it's just so hard to ask for that. And I generally am sad that I don't think I can call like many, the majority of my friends in those moments. Um, but I, I am also kind of working through that tension of like asking for support when you need it, not trying to feel like a burden, um, but also understandably realizing that it can be a burden to somebody who's going through their own shit, right? And like how to have that conversation of like, hey, like trigger alert, I'm about to like go in on like something really dark. <laughs> Are you up for this? And then what if you get rejected, right? Like it would hurt. Like a 
really fucking bad. And, and I couldn't deal with that at that time. Right. And so avoid all of that. I think it's not even your fault though. I think like, this is such this is something I spend a lot of time thinking about because I feel like in, in our relationship, I've gotten probably the most like up close and personal, like opportunity to practice what it means to be like a compassionate friend when someone is going through, um, you know, a tougher time, uh, with mental health. But like, I think society at large, just because of the stigma and almost like a out of sight, out of mind way that we treat mental health, um, it creates this like big tension and conflict in everyday people because, well, just this, by statistics, like everybody has someone in their life who is going through something and that person may or may not have the um, ability to be super honest about it or even like coach or, or guide their friends or their loved ones in talking to them. And I feel like one, that onus should not be just on the person who's, you know, going through a hard time. And two, it's also not something that um, is purely on, um, I think, like the doctor side either, because like, they just don't have time. So I wish that like, there was some other entity that would like oversee everyone and just like do a collective like, oh my gosh, maybe we can do it like right now while everyone's stuck at home, just like force people to take this like Zoom webinar on like, how to talk with people, you know, who are going through different mental health things. Um, anyways, that's an idea if somebody wants, wants to put it on. But like, I feel like that would be so helpful because it will address the elephant in the room. It kind of removes the blame or responsibility from any one party to initiate the conversation. Like it should just be like, you know how like first aid and uh, is like, um, you know, or learning how to give people like, what is it, the Heimlich maneuver, if someone's choking, like, Mm -hmm. those are like basic things you need to know as a human. I feel like knowing how to talk about what your needs are with mental health and negotiate like what, what the right forms of support are should also be just like a basic human skill that you learn, you know, like that would just make things so much easier and healthier for everyone. Those are my two cents. Love it. I think that's at least five cents. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I think that that's a really nice transition into the other type of relationship that has also been very intimate, which is your roommates right now. And I think depending on where you're at and who you are, your roommate, roommate may be your family and or your just like stranger roommates or your friends. So kind of a catch-all. But Craigslist roommates are valid yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> and just to start off, uh, what's your roommate situation right now? I am going through COVID-19 with uh, one roommate. So I actually, I live in a three-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. Um, but right before things got really bad, uh, our third roommate um, decided to stay with a coworker whose family actually has a uh, more of like a house situation. Uh, and so like for her, it was just more comfortable. And then she was also thinking about it being more comfortable for us. So now I have a three bedroom apartment with just me and my, uh, my other roommate. And we, it's been really nice. Um, I like normally, so I'm normally the only person in the apartment that has a job where I would be, you know, working from home a lot. And so this is kind of the first time that my roommate is able to do so. Uh, and the transition was actually really smooth. Like we're both, we're both pretty different. Um, and we don't have like a lot of like life overlap. Um, this is a topic for another day, but I'm not the kind of person that wants to like be besties with my roommates. If that makes sense. Like I'm the kind of person that like wants to have a roommate relationship, but like where we're comfortable, we t- like we talk when we're in the like the shared living areas, 
and we're not afraid of like you know get, sharing music or getting to know each other but like I don't want to know your whole life maybe it's because when I come home I'm just like ready to kind of be in my space but um we, what I love about our relationship and, and dynamic is that we're both um generally optimistic people with a decent amount of sarcasm mm-hmm. um we both like policy um and like we're, we're both like kind of in the weeds with like um politics and um I think lastly, we both like really love music. And so, and, and he has very like quirky niche music taste. So it's always fun um, to share music with each other. We actually created a, like a coronavirus playlist <laughs> together, like a collaborative one. So um, I feel really lucky to be able to go through this with like, you know, someone who's like pretty easygoing, like who's got one foot in reality, but also one foot in like, yeah, you know what? We also, it's a time to meme and it's a time to watch like SNL and, you got to just also find the levity in it. So I feel like we're kind of on the same wavelength where we are. I think it's important that your environment, for example, during this coronavirus pandemic is kind of conducive to your mental health or like having a sense of hope and faith. And I definitely feel like not only do we have a sense of created a sense of home together in our shared apartment, but we both have like a faith and an optimism um, that we can balance out with like some of the more grim days, you know, because we are in the quote-unquote epicenter which sounds so serious but I mean it is serious um so I I generally feel lucky um and most importantly he's clean can you imagine if you like had to deal with like crazy roommate issues right now like I I think some people are though like I I have so many stories from friends who are dealing with just insane roommate issues and we definitely want to acknowledge that um it can force conversations that are hard and uncomfortable about boundaries, about the safety of the collective space, about um, you know how much time people need to themselves versus like hanging out in the group, especially if you're not like friends um, with the people and or may not even feel necessarily comfortable um, hanging out with them for a long period of time. Um, so we did put together a guide on conversation to have with your roommates for COVID-19 preparation, or yes, now it's just like actually just maintaining social distancing to at least April 30th. Um, so you can check that out in this week's care package and you can subscribe at um, our website if you aren't already on it. But um, I I can't even like imagine the, <laughs> the level of like awkward tension. I've had some really awkward roommate situations. I've had some great ones. And I think it takes a lot to kind of come to the table and decide that, okay, now we're really going to like start to talk about this um, instead of kind of just it being in and out of the house or especially if you're not used to being in the space for a very long time. Right. Um, but my roommate situation is a little different because I'm at home um, in South Carolina, my childhood home and my roommate's my mom. Um, we also live in like a house, so we have more space though it's largely blocked by all the hoarding stuff. Um, But we live in a suburb and there's a lot of just space. And I think that's been really helpful um, in terms of just feeling like we're not living on top of each other. Um, And in a way, like one of the things I'm most grateful for in this time period is just having a chance to get closer to my mom. I really came home needing comfort, needing support and there is something about like being with family that is hard to put into words, but it just feels very different. Like the moment I came home, I just felt safe. 
And uh, this is after like three to four months of being um, nomadic. And I needed that feeling so, so much. And I think being here and the familiarity that I have with the space um, helps a lot for my mental health. Um, my mom and I also hang out a lot. We like work next to each other. We like eat dinner together. We like cook together, uh, watch movies together. And it's actually really nice. Um, I, during this really anxious period, she has definitely been kind of person number one, um, of experiencing. And I think it's very new for her. Like she was just telling me yesterday, she's like, I really don't like know this part of you not in like a mean way, but just in like an observatory way. And she's like, you know, the last time you were home, you had just come off of traveling you know, around the world and you weren't scared of anything. Like you weren't, you were just out there. And I, and I, we had this like 45 minute conversation before I went to bed yesterday and it was really interesting. Um, I think to, to just get to a state where I want my mom or my roommate, I guess, to like understand this different side of me and, um, to feel her support and feel her unconditional love, um, in kind of all the Asian love language ways of like cooking, you know, and, bringing snacks over and cutting fruit and all those things are so, so needed right now for me. Um, and I just don't think I could have that kind of support with a roommate or even my partner. Um, and, and, and that's like a tension that I'm currently also exploring because I would never, if you'd asked me you know, like six months ago, um, if I'd have wanted to be home, I would have said, you know, no, right. Like, I think for me, it was very important to like build this, like independent life. Um, and now that we're kind of like forced to be in quarantine together, um, I'm actually seeing like, wow, I'm really glad I'm able to have this time at home with my mom and, um, build our relationship. And sometimes I just get really scared. I wake up in the middle of the night and I feel really anxious or like I'm about to panic and I just like go up and go find her and I'll like crawl and like into bed next to her sometimes or like just sleep on the couch in her room just to be near somebody. Um, and I, I can't really put into words how important like that feeling of just being around another human being who cares, it loves and supports you is at this point in time. And more importantly, a human being who's literally like wiped your butt as a baby and like seen all the <laughs> things, right? So it's like, Everything. yeah, mom, if I have to like cry and like hold you or like have you hold me, like, you know what? We've already like done all the things. So like, why not? <laughs> but um, I would yeah. love to hear like what your relationship to your mom was like uh, before the quarantine and, and if there was like any sort of like weird transition period um, because it sounds like you guys are in a really beautiful place right now but I do remember like uh, even like last fall it wasn't necessarily like rainbows and roses and so would love to just hear like how how you navigated that um you know especially because she does have to be your roommate now yeah that's a great question and it's very true I've had a really you know tumultuous relationship in the past with my mom it's been really 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 bad and traumatic at times and um before you know while I was traveling it wasn't great because obviously my parents were just not quite understanding the whole nomadic lifestyle. And um, I realized, I think, in uh, coming home that because my sister is, is actually not home. So I kind of see the way that um, the feelings are for my sister and she's worried. And so as a result, like she 
can show up in phone calls like a lot more um, anxious, like um, tense. And um, I think in the way that moms do, like tell you what to do. And my, you know, nobody, I think, responds well to that. And so that was kind of the behavior that I was seeing when I was away as well. And it, it did lead me to like, feel like I should have more space. Cause I just was like, okay, I get that you're upset when I don't listen, but got to live my own life. Right. And now that we are basically living the same life together, the attention is, is largely gone because she's able to see that I'm safe. She's able to see that I'm here right in front of her. And it, it is less of a, I think, worry for, for her. And I think I underestimate a lot just how much um, moms worry about their children and in general. Um, that's something that's probably very visceral, right? Like I'm not a mom yet, so I don't know this feeling, but I can imagine and I've heard about it. Um, and just learning to have more empathy for that and to even be on the side where I can like, you know, follow up with my sister and be like, Hey, like, this is what she meant. Like, don't take it personally. Um, and it takes work, of course. I think just letting somebody be part of your life. I realize that's also the source of a lot of previous tension is like she didn't feel like she was. And I didn't necessarily like want that, right? And now that we're kind of in the situation where it's really dire and I'm like concerned about her no matter how like a lot of that stuff just kind of goes out the door because the situation is like, okay, we all need to take care of each other. We all need to protect each other um as roommates as family members um and in a beautiful way like if there's silver lining to all of this which i know we're like desperately searching for silver linings right now um that can really change i think the nature of relationships whether you know it's you finally being able to feel close to your roommates or um whether you're having really hard but necessary conversations with your partner about boundaries uh, whether you're learning your own boundaries i think there's so much like work that we're all doing collectively with our relationships right now, especially the ones that are either physically or emotionally closest to us. Um, and I want to honor that, you know, I really want to, to take a moment. I try to take a moment every day to like be appreciative of that. I think you touched on something that's so, I think quintessentially hard about like the child parent relationship, which is like the worry gap and how worry translates so differently from their lens through their lens and then through our lens because I like when you were sharing how like her worry would sometimes cause you to like you know have an aversion or like want to run away or just like create more distance like I resonate a lot with that because sometimes it comes out you know well-intentioned but it might come out as like pestering or telling you what to do um or or like they you know in in some way maybe just don't want to honor a part of your personality that you feel is really important to you but um, I think what's really beautiful is now that you guys are like face to face, that um, kind of that gap, like you mentioned, goes away because like intention and also like so much of communication is like what's not said, right? And mm-hmm. you know, Asian parents already don't say a lot. So <laughs> by being in person, it's like, okay, like I can read their body language or, you know, even the context in which they brought something up and you get, you just get so much more context that I think lends itself nicely to empathy. And I'm trying really hard right now to, you know, in moments like this, like, remember that, like, 
you know, my parents were always coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was just thinking about how yesterday my sister texted me. She's like, oh my God, I'm trying to teach mom how to use Zoom right now. And mm-hmm. my mom is not a not somebody who knows how to use a computer. My dad's the only one who knows how to use a computer. And I had like real empathy for my sister because like, I think there's nothing harder than trying to explain something on tech remotely to your parents when you're not even there to like kind of guide them through step-by-step like tactilely like where this button is and this is the setting um so but even in moments like uh, like that where I'm I'm just trying to come back to like okay like you know this is really important and they're asking because like you know like that's like they they taught me how to ride a bike right the least I can do is now Mm -hmm. teach them how to like use zoom or whatever and like not to get annoyed um that I find like that's a lot easier when I step away from like my knee jerk reaction and go back to like, okay, like what, think about the context. Like they want to learn how to use Zoom to like, so they can connect to their friends or like in my mom's case, she wanted to take a Zumba class that her, um, that that somebody at her gym was like now offering on Zoom. Um, And so that's something that I'm like always trying to work through um, because like my younger self, like my college self definitely was a lot um, brattier and just like not able to do that. I definitely like had my, head like you know in the wrong place at that time and not what was not very understanding so I'm trying to like work on turning that corner and your story gives me a lot of inspiration oh I support you and it's hard like it's so so hard so all for the journey um I want to spend a few minutes though on a more I don't know if it's more fun I guess it depends on who you are on talking about like love and dating during this time um, I've heard a few stories, some more insane than others, about how people are a like still online dating and still, um, I think as as an article I read, uh, apocalyptic booty calls. Even know what those are, and I really hope people aren't actually making them. <laughs> because that is a great <laughs> name, an apocalyptic booty call. Like, if you were ever to booty call, like, why not do it in an apocalypse? Yeah. Right? Like, I, there, I, there's well, something about the intensity <laughs> that just makes it so much more like interesting. I, like, as an observer, I have not, I'm not partaken. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first, I really hope people aren't doing this because it does break social distancing. And um, I did hear some stories of people who were still like going out on hinge dates and. Uh, inviting people over, strangers over, and that kind of really being scary. Um, But at the same time, some people are just doing the online thing and having online dates and seeing that they're having to talk a lot more and communicate a lot more, right? But that it's also hard to like feel that physical intimacy and connection, which I do think is a big part of dating and fun part of dating. Um, So quick check, relationship status. Um, I am in a long-term relationship. And Cass, you are self-partner, baby. Love it, love it, love it. And so we don't definitely do not represent the full spectrum here. Um, but I did want to spend a few moments kind of just hearing from you, like generally, how has the quarantine affected or not affected your thoughts on love and dating? Are you about to text your crush that you love them because now's the time? <laughs> um, or are you are you just chilling on it? doing that self-love 
Uh, you know, so I have been um, happily, voluntarily self-partnered for, I guess it'll be close to two years in June. And like some of, and you know the story already, Karen, but like uh, in part, like the very first year of being self-partnered was intentionally to focus on my healing because I came out of like a really bad relationship and a bad breakup um, by he who, with someone that well, you can just call Voldemort. Um, but that, that was like really hard. And so I wanted to spend that year really kind of diving into like who I am and how, it, how I got into that place and kind of like just understand what my needs are. Um, I was somebody who like in high school was in a two-year relationship in college. I felt like I had some pretty serious relationships and I was, I guess in some way or other, always sort of like engaged or like interacting with someone. Um, and I feel like, you know, now that I'm in my well, I guess I was in my mid-20s when this happened, but going now into my late 20s and realizing that like this is kind of the first time that I'm really getting to know who I am uh, because college was like, honestly, I had very strict parents. So college for me was like, woo, I can finally like do stuff. I have my own life. Like I can date. Um, and like, I feel like I got really wrapped up in that. And rather than spending that time getting to know myself, I was spending that time getting to know like, who I was in relationship to other people. And that sort of like continued even after college. And certainly when I first moved to New York, because New York is also such a weird city to date in. Like, I feel like dating is like literally an active pastime here. It's like its own hot category of hobby that single people do. And it's, um, and so when I moved here, it was like, I guess it was one way to meet people, right? It's like I was either meeting people by uh, working out or going to yoga studios, meeting people through coworkers, friends. And then there was this whole other category of meeting people just through dating. And I think in some ways I felt like that's just what you do when you're young and single and just newly moved to the city, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I think I realized when I got out of that breakup, I was like, whoa, I don't really know who I am. So this is like an opportunity to like to dive deep, like deeper than surface level, because I feel like it's really hard to know who you are when you are like deeply in a, in relationship with other people, uh, mm -hmm. unless you've done that work beforehand and now you're choosing to be in a relationship, but that wasn't the case for me. So I was self-partnered for over a year and I continued to be self-partner after that, like arbitrary one year period that I gave myself to kind of become like my own best friend. Because quite frankly, and this is like, I don't know if this is like right or wrong, but like, I'm just tired of men. <laughs> and I feel I, I wanted to put that out there. I think it was a lot of this was exacerbated by just like, maybe in New York City, there's just because there's so many more people, you're on average, you will brush against more like assholes or just like people who are not necessarily equipped to talk about feelings. And so they and ghosting is a very dominant thing here. Hookup culture is very dominant here. Um, and there's just like this like lack of like decency in terms of like how you treat the other person uh, or also like a lack of transparency that's so normalized in dating culture here. Um, so I've just been like, yeah, that's not me. And I've kind of, I kind of like just withdrew because of that. But also the couple of times I tried to like dip my toe into the dating pool, the people that I was like meeting just weren't up to par. And so I think part of me is like still self-partner because I mean, if I'm being honest, there's always that little bit of fear of like, well, what if I, you know, really connect with someone and I get hurt. But I think even bigger than that, it's just been, no one's been really impressing me. 
um, because of this like dominant, um, you know, dating culture that I just don't align with. And so I think I've kind of reverted to like, I'm just going to be in my own lane, doing my own thing, investing time in things that I know bring me joy, which is like uh, my yoga practice, um, you know, working on the company with you, really connecting and like deeply investing into the relationships I have with my friends here. And I feel very proud and thankful that I put in like all the hard work to have like powerful, vulnerable relationships with both like men and women in my life, uh, like platonic relationships. Um, I've been like working on my family relationship. Um, and then, you know, just continuing to honestly do me. And you know, I've been on this like whole self-love thing for the past two years. Um, so I feel like that's already like a full-time job and, and dating just is not something I necessarily have time to invest. Um, I think energy or bandwidth into, uh, as an active activity, um yeah so I'm kind of in this place where you know if someone is going to come into my life they're going to come through the avenues that I'm already investing in and that feels like to me a better like ROI than you know trying to go on the apps um but I also think you have to know who you are some people do really well in the apps I know that like uh, someone's profile will never capture the fullness of their personality or like even have that spark that you just referenced right like the in-person spark of chemistry I know that I can't get that over a profile. I know that also I'm like way too judgmental when all I have is a photo and then some of their like responses to questions. Um, so like I recognize I have a lot of bias. That's not fair. And and so, you know, just being playing the whole game of the, of the online apps, I feel like you need to have much more open mind than I do. So I've kind of removed mm. myself because I know that I have this very strong bias. Um, yeah, so... It's weird because, you know, as someone who's 28 years old and like who does have a lot of friends who are like either like partnered or like actively dating to be the person who's like very okay, like one, not not actively dating um, and two, like just not even on the apps. You definitely feel like you're in a minority, but I feel good with where I am because there's no question that the areas I invest in in my life are areas that, you know, nurture and nourish me and, and pay back in like beautiful dividends, right? Because these are relationships that I'm already invested in. So yeah, coronavirus hasn't changed that. And if anything, it's given me um, more time to just re- like, honestly, fall more in love with myself, which is a lot harder than you would think, because, you know, like, we're the hardest people on ourselves. So I've still got work to do with like, the most important roommate in the world, which is me. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you for sharing. And I, I, um, I think that's another like really beautiful silver lining of this timing is that you do have this time. There's no more excuses of being too busy to like be there for yourself. And I, I also agree that that's the most relation important relationship that I am working through um, right now as well. Um, and it's the hardest one, I think, because as we said at the beginning, it does affect all of your other relationships that um, are close to you right now, or even a little farther away. Um, And the more that we can, like, I think we can work on that, the more we're going to be able to communicate with folks. um, We love what is going on with us and how to support us, um, which is really, really hard. Um, But tell me about your relationship. I think what's so unique about you and your partner is like, you guys have not only been together for like long enough to know each other very well, but like you've had like, chunks of time where you've kind of like 
spoon together and the knot and the mint together, the knot. So do you guys feel like well set up for this kind of situation right now? And I'm asking about that because like some, some people right now are for the first time realizing like, oh my gosh, I don't know how long I'm going to see you. But um, uh, I feel like you two have like experience in that. So how has it been going for you? Yeah, I, I definitely think it is to our benefit that we are long distance the first year of our relationship. And so that this isn't like a new concept for us. So my partner is uh, at home with his family in DC and I'm in South Carolina and we have absolutely no plans to see each other in the you know, foreseeable future. And that was hard to swallow at first, uh, of course. And it's hard every day just having like a FaceTime-based relationship um, because I do think you have to put more effort into the communication and like the limited time you do have. Um, but it, it's actually forced us, I think, to be more thoughtful. And uh, one thing that um, we struggled with while we were traveling and we're like together 24 hours a day was not having enough space apart from each other. And so going into the this dynamic was actually, in a way, like something that I think was really, relatively healthy um, to go into a dynamic that was quite the opposite of that, where, okay, now we don't have like 24 hours of like constant contact or we are struggling kind of with our individual and partner relationships, um, but actually now have time to work on the individual and then come together in a way that is more thoughtful and meaningful. Um, sometimes that's just like, I'm just watching him play Animal Crossing, <laughs> which is so really relaxing. Um, and other times like he's been writing me like handwritten letters and I mean, they're not being post made, like mailed in the post, but they are emailed to me. Um, and that's a way for him to like reflect on his feelings and communicate them with me. And we've talked a lot about like, okay, what are the ways that I need to feel supported in this time? How are the ways that I can support you in this time? And because I think our time together is so much more like intentional, um, it does help a lot to um, have some of that forced conversation. And it is overall something that um, it's still like day to day hard because of course you want like I want to be with the person I love and like I want to have that support. But I was watching uh, the bull type, which you know, kind um, of quote right You've now. You've been in love with this show. <laughs> can't, can't believe I'm gonna do this. Um, but the one of the characters in the show, um, Jane, she uh, ends up breaking up with her partner after um, he cheats on her and then lies about the full story and her reason which I really resonated with and like was crying about was the reason she would stay with him is because she was scared of being without him and scared of being alone and I think that's a very 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 real feeling and I think it's okay to have that feeling but for her her choice was to actually choose the harder path which is to not to do, to go and be alone um, because she felt like staying with him would be for the wrong reason it would be because she was scared and in a way, I related to that because, you know, for me to step into not being scared means being apart from this person that I'm like, you know, did end up having some degree of codependency on and not something that I continue to want to have in my relationship. I really wanted to change that dynamic. And so I have really seen this as a point in time, as I was talking about earlier, that I need to work on myself. I need to work on my mental health so that I can show up in my relationship, my friendships, my relationship with my parents and my family in a way that um, is what I want it to be. And and I have definitely more of a sense of what I don't want it to be than what I do. Um, but I definitely know it's like not being codependent, 
not being, you know, an, an unstable burden um, on people um, and being able to be very clear about the support and I need and the boundaries that I need. Um, and these are all things that are daily, like affected by my mental health. Right. And so anytime my mental health slips as it did just, you know, a few days ago, I feel like all my relationships kind of start rocking. Like they're not steady anymore because I can't show up in them. And, and many, many times over the course of the last three months, this is what happened in my, um, relationship. And so overall, like I, I, um, do think, as you've said so eloquently, like the most important relationship is the one that I have with myself and it affects everything else. And so that's the one I want to really work on and allow myself to show up better in my relationship with my partner. I think it's so cute that he's writing you emails, electronic mails. <laughs> that is so sweet. But wouldn't it be even cuter if like, I mean, maybe I watched The Notebook too many times, but you guys could snail mail each other and keep the letters like Noah and Allie did. Um, that would be like love hashtag in the time of coronavirus. Oh my uh, God. That's really cute. It's like a movie. I love that movie. Movie to rewatch for sure. I'll send him the wreck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, get, get him to start writing you letters. It would, it would be exactly like the same storyline. Um, but I think what's really kind of like beautiful from a timing perspective is like how you got into like this place with your partner because like you said you guys were went from too much time while you were traveling together uh and and while you were simultaneously going through um some of the health anxiety stuff you've talked about this podcast and then like once you got to kind of a uh, at least like a bit of a plateau there that was when you two had to separate and you have you got that time to work with your relationship on your mom with yourself and um and i feel like it's like this strange perfect opening of time where it's like you you were with him like during the beginning when it was really tough and now you were like I know that the rest of this path is like just for me and I can't have you you know I can't have you around I guess physically but I also like no I can't just have you around emotionally because mm -hmm. it's like I am I gotta learn how to walk on my own two feet mm -hmm. and I want to reflect back to you that I've really seen that um like I, I mean I've really seen the progress like and I think it's easier for me to probably see it because I'm like at a distance and obviously it's hard when it's yourself because <laughs> like I think we're so hard on ourselves about like what is and is not considered progress but I I mean just following your journey uh I feel like I feel like I'm like the third character in your relationship with him <laughs> because like you guys were traveling and like you and I worked together so I, he was always kind of there uh, and I obviously like because we do work together I, I was following along the mental health journey and the health journey too and, and I think he and I were trying to support you from different perspectives um, and so it's been really nice to see like you like really step into like this, like I need to, I want to understand what independence given the things that I have to go through looks like. And that means like, yeah, right now I really need to like walk this path alone and I want you to be able to walk with me, but like I, I should be like leading and, and you know, like leading, I guess, in terms of like how, how I want to show up. Um, and I think that's really it's really beautiful that like this is like I think this is definitely the silver lining uh here and I'm excited that you know he and I get to see I guess like where you where you go on this journey and we get to also continue to learn about like the best way to support you and like all our other friends in this strange time that we're living in right now. I love how we are able to end this episode on a positive note despite like all these weird and angsty and uncomfortable but valid and real feelings 
And I am so grateful for your presence in my life and our relationship. It's just one we did not talk about in this podcast, but maybe a bonus episode. Uh, but that's all the time we have for today. So um, tell somebody you love them. Text your crush. I'm still a big believer in that. Um, give somebody close to you a hug who doesn't, which doesn't require social distancing or breaking social distancing. Um, and send us any stories that you have um, about relationships that uh, matter to you. And we'll shout them out in our next feature or next episode. Yay. And so... To end this episode, Karen, what does a place of care within the context of relationships look like or sound like or feel like to you? So I definitely wrote all my friends on my Zoom link uh, because I think the idea of just the grid, seeing everybody that I love, not necessarily like talking to me, just like passively doing and their lives. And this sounds really creepy. Maybe I should change my answer. But I think just being able to be part of the lives of the people that I care about um, and be there and support them as they have supported me. I love that. Also, really quick thing about Zoom. Um, if you guys don't know, if you go to gallery view, that's how you can see all the faces. It definitely took me like a week before I realized, like, how did people get that? And I realized, oh, you got to click gallery view. So if you want to see all the faces of the beautiful people you're connecting with, uh, make sure you hit that. I don't think it's the default. Usually it's speaker view. So Pro tip, Zoom, also Zoom. Feel free to sponsor us. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you next week, Kat. Have a good night. Of self-love. You too. Bye, Karen. Bye. A Place of Care is a production by The Cosmos. We create wellness resources and community for Asian women to flourish and thrive. You can follow us on Instagram at jointhecosmos and read more about what we do at jointhecosmos.com. Start your two-week free trial of our Wellness Confidence membership today to get access to vetted Asian women practitioners and connect with our community. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a voice note on Anchor or email us at hello at jointhecosmos.com anytime.